Blog Talk Radio. Join us for the Wellness Journey Live with Linus Wood Mullins. Our program will show you the fun and simplicity of wellness for women over 40 and all the people who love them. You can achieve total wellness through holistic practices, nutrition, fitness, and spiritual renewal. Join us weekly as we talk to the experts in the field of total wellness for your mind, body, and spirit. Here's Leonard. Well, hello, hello. This is Linus from PhraseWorks, and welcome to the Wellness Journey Live, where we get a chance to talk to some of the premier experts in the field of health and wellness for women over 40, all about mind, body, spirit, wellness, and the things that we need to be thinking about as we continue this fantastic journey we call life. Well, I have to tell you, the last few weeks have really been kind of interesting for me from a personal standpoint. You know, as we begin to head towards the last half of the year, I don't know about you, but I start kind of assessing now what it is I have left to do in order to meet my goals for 2015. And boy, do I begin to start feeling a little stressed trying to get all those things in that I thought I would have at least done part of it by this time of the year, and you realize, oh my gosh, I still have like four or five more months, and it's over, and I haven't finished my, you know, my goals and objectives, oh my gosh, my gosh, I don't know about you, but that's kind of where I get from time to time, and I have to remind myself, you know, to breathe, uh, to calm down, and, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, and that list is a guideline, it's not written in stone and, you know, kind of give myself a break. And it really makes me think sometimes, and this is why I thought this was such a great uh, topic for us to talk about, because I'm going to be learning some things myself. Do I get addicted or am I addicted to feeling that way? Do I like that (laughs) feeling to kind of get me going? I mean, is there such a thing as being addicted to stress? And if there is such a thing as stress addiction, what should we be doing about it? That's why I'm so glad that we have with us today Lindsay Sherry. She is uh, the founder and owner of Real Healing Nutrition. She's a clinical nutritionist, a certified holistic health counselor who believes that diet, environment, and our lifestyles all have a tremendous impact on our overall health. Another thing that I think is fantastic about Lindsay's background, she's so well-rounded. She's a, a, a dancer. She's a yoga instructor. And, and, and we happen to have another thing in common. She made it in journalism. So she is my uh, sister from another mother, as they say. <laughs> We have a lot in common. And, Lindsay, thank you so much for being on uh, the wellness journey today. Oh, thank you, Linus. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, it's fantastic to have you. And I just love your background because I can tell from just the things that you have educated yourself on and prepared yourself for that you are a mind, body, spirit, wellness proponent. That's part of of your practice. And, And it looks like you believe that all these things are integral in terms of us being well. Absolutely. It's a 360-degree approach. <laughs> yes. Well, tell us a little bit about you. They kind of already know your academic background, but how did you come to be so interested in holistic health and in particular nutrition? Oh, so I did not start out my career as a nutritionist. I actually worked in sales, and I held different management positions for about 15 years. And it was in 2006, I went into my doctor because I was worried about different symptoms that were starting to surface for me. I was feeling 
really exhausted um, all the time. My hair was starting to thin. I had all sorts of digestive issues, and I was I was even having uh, such severe cramps during my cycle that it actually caused me to miss work some months. Mm-hmm. And um, when I went into my doctor, that started a series of tests. We had all sorts of different blood panels that were taken. I had an MRI done, a CAT scan, an ultrasound, you name it, we did it. (laughs) And every Mm. time the results came back, my doctor would say, good news, you're perfectly healthy. And I even had one doctor tell me who I was working with at the time, he said, it must just be that you're aging. Well, I was only 29 years old. And I thought, Mm that just doesn't make sense to me. So um, I Mm. ended up going back to school, not with the intent of opening my own practice, but really just to become my own health advocate. I felt like since I wasn't getting the answers, it was time for me to start figuring out the answers. And that decision just changed my world. I fell in love with this industry. Uh, The information that I learned transformed my life and my health. I can't, I, I think constantly, I just, I can't even imagine where I would be without this work. And so I ended up making it my mission to help others become their own health advocate and to really help people to demystify all that conflicting health information out there. Um, And I always tell people there really is no one-size-fits-all approach. So when I work with individuals or I work with a group, I really try to help them learn the tools uh, that they need to really help them create their own plans and protocols based on what their needs are. And and that's wonderful. It's a wonderful approach and and so important. And let's talk a little bit about using this approach when it comes to stress. And the first thing is, um, is there such a thing as stress addiction? And if if there is such a thing, what is it? How do we get it? I yeah, there there is absolutely a thing called stress addiction. And in fact, not only is it legitimate, there's even recovery centers for people who suffer from stress addiction. Um, it's, it's also being diagnosed now for people who, who suffer from this. And I think what's difficult with it is that it's hard to actually define what stress addiction truly is because stress impacts people differently. Uh, you know, when you look at major stressors in life, a lot of times people look at a move or a divorce as stressful, but in other people's eyes, that can be a welcome relief. So it's really how much that impact, how much that pressure, that tension is impacting your mental, your emotional, and your physical state? And how well are you able to, to cope and be resilient to that? And when it comes to um, having a stress addiction, what kinds of things should we look for to see if maybe we're in trouble when it comes to that? So there's a lot of different signs that you can look for. A few of them would be things like, do you thrive on tight deadlines? Um, Just having the thought of truly doing nothing at all just absolutely sound like torture to you? Do you need to be constantly going and moving all the time? Um, Have you heard of the the acronym FOMO, Fear of Missing Out? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Okay. Wow. I know it's that constant need to be connected not only to everyone but every avenue in your life. Um, You may even feel that 24 hours is never enough time in a day to get something done. Uh, a lot of times you look for phrases where people might be using the words like, I'm so busy or my schedule is just so slammed. And I think it's important to say, too, if you relate to one or two of these things, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're a stress addict. What you're looking for is kind of an all of the above or most of the above situation where when we go down that list, you're saying, yes, yes, <laughs> that's me. And you relate to all of it. Wow. Well, listeners, 
and Lindsay, <laughs> I am officially addicted to stretch. Because oh. that was all, yes, except for I don't say so slammed. I just say, oh, I've got so much to do. I feel overwhelmed. Yeah. And, yes, 24 hours never seems like enough time. In fact, I'll say things to myself like, oh, I'm so glad I'll have no interruptions today because I can use the whole day to work. Like, yeah. I really am supposed to be doing that, which I'm not supposed to be. So I am addicted to stress. What do I need to do to get better? So there are, I think there's several things that you can do. Um, I think the first and foremost, what I usually recommend to people is when it comes to lifestyle strategies, I always tell my clients, you want to make sure that you're in, and we're going to start with, you know, surface level things. There's certainly next level where we get into bigger concepts, but to start out, make sure that you carve out time at least once a week where you can focus your energy on something that is outside of what your normal tasks are. So if it's painting, cooking, writing, dancing, when we talked about that earlier, um, or anything else that's going to help you to take your mind off the clock temporarily so that you're not stuck in that constant compulsive worry state. Um, Also, and this is a big one, I think if you can connect with nature, that is a tremendously, that's, that is so therapeutic to people. There's numerous studies that show spending time in nature improves general well-being. It lowers anxiety and stress and depression, and it even boosts self-confidence. And this is why also there are so many addiction recovery centers that offer outdoor immersion programs because of that therapy that you get. So, you know, I'll tell my clients, just go for a walk, go for a hike. If you, if you can and you like it, go camping. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. I, actually saw, I saw a post last week that I thought was perfect. It said, um, almost anything has the ability to fix itself once you unplug it, including yourself. Mm. And I mm. think that's so true, being able to find those times where you can just unplug and disconnect from everything that's pulling your attention in you know, all sorts of different directions. And I, I love that. I do do that. I do go on the walks, and I do ha- have other hobbies uh, that I uh, focus on. But I have to say that those hobbies are so much tied to my business. Uh, yeah. But I can see, you know, the need uh, to basically disconnect from things. Mm-hmm. What happens to our bodies when we're in constant stressed-out mode all the time? What What happens in terms of how it impacts our body's ability to function? So that's a good question, and I think it's also important to say that not all stress is bad. Moderate amounts of stress can actually be good for us, so it's been shown that, you know, having adequate amounts of stress is going to boost our focus, our energy, it even um, boosts our power of intuition, which is all great things, but it's when it turns into chronic stress that it becomes bad for the body, and that's what we're seeing now, and just like you said, too, you said, I'm, I, I'm addicted to stress. I think we're finding that so many people are under such chronic stress that they find it's just so hard to break away from it, and um, there was a statistic that I gathered a couple of years back from the American Institute of Stress. I'm not even sure if this has gotten worse or better, but it was 75 to 90% of all doctor's visits are related to stress. And I think what's, I know, isn't that shocking? And I think what's so interesting with that is that it's the symptoms that bring us into our doctor's office. So if it's things like IBS, obesity, high blood pressure, depression, skin rashes, muscle aches, fertility issues, you know, all of this stuff, 
These can really be more often the symptom of chronic stress. And then we end up doing something that I call band-aiding the, 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 the situation. So we may get medication that's going to help us to cope with the symptoms when we're not actually getting to the root cause of what's really causing it to begin with. You know, and that's fascinating. I'm looking at some of these statistics, and it's just really it's amazing. You're right, 77% of the people yeah. uh, who are visiting their doctors, it's to stress-related kinds of uh, ailments that they're talking about. So given that, that we're, our bodies are going through some things and we're beginning to exhibit some symptoms, from a nutrition standpoint, what kinds of things should we be eating to try to fortify our bodies against the rigors of stress? So there's a lot of different foods that you can get into. And, and what I usually say first off, and, and I think this is the, the most important concept to understand, is that it's not so much what you eat, but how often you eat. So one of the things that I'll try to get my clients doing is making sure that they're having small meals every three hours. And I know I've had people say to me in workshops before, they say, isn't this a modern concept? I mean, we never had food that accessible to us where we were eating you know, constantly like that throughout the day. And I said, absolutely. But we also have stresses at an all-time high. We were never under this amount of stress before. And so what that does, when when you eat and you think about what are the signals that you're able to send to your body when you're eating food, you are telling yourself that you're safe, you're content, you know, you know that you're not starving, you're not in that fight or flight stance. So you instantly calm the body down when you have food, which is also why emotionally it can cause a lot of triggers for people because if they're not feeling safe, secure, and content in their own life, they may find that emotional need to go to food because that, that way they're going to get that the same sensation. So by doing that every three hours, and then the other layer to that is that it actually um, – it, it allows your body to cut back on cortisol and adrenaline. So when we go, you know, when we skip meals, your body doesn't understand that you're not running from a bear. It's going to, it's going to instantly put you into the I'm starving kind of mode. And mm-hmm. that stimulates a cortisol and adrenaline release. That's, those are our two stress hormones that give us energy. So by eating every three hours, you're giving your body fuel that it can convert into energy and actually use rather than having to go to the adrenal glands and get it from, from those guys. So every three hours, and, and ultimately I try to round it out by looking for a healthy fat and a healthy protein, but there are absolutely foods that you can get into that are going to, that are going to have therapeutic properties to them. And one of my favorite food, foods to recommend to clients is something called maca powder. Have you heard of this? Yes, yes. In fact, could you spell that for us? Yes, it's M A C A. And maca is a root that comes from Peru. But you don't have to go to Peru to get it. <laughs> you can Yay. go to Whole Foods. I know you can get it. You hopefully, if you've got a Whole Foods Whole Foods near nearby, you can go and find it there. You can also pick it up online. Uh, one of my favorite companies to get it from is actually a company that's down here in San Diego, and it's called Sun Foods. So S-U-N-F-O-O-D-S, and they ship anywhere. So you can get that. You can pick that up. And maca is an adaptogen. So it adapts. It adapts to and it regulates the body's stress response as well as balance hormones. So if you're feeling exhausted and you're tired and you're run down, it's going to help you to increase energy and reduce fatigue. 
But then on the other hand or on the other reverse side, if you're feeling anxious or wired, it can help Mm -hmm. actually relax you and calm you down. So it adapts to where your body and where your stress levels are at and it responds accordingly. I work with adaptogens a lot in my private practice and they're fantastic. Mm -hmm. Now, what are some of the other adaptogens? Uh, that might um, give us the same kind of uh, end result? So probably one of the most popular ones is is an Ayurvedic herb called ashwagandha. Let's mm-hmm. see if I know you're going to ask me how to spell that one. <laughs> I'm so doing it as- phonetically, hoping, for me. hoping that Google will recognize it. <laughs> ashwagandha. Ashwagandha. It's A-S-H-W-A-G. I'm going to get you close enough there, and then hopefully you can... Yeah. Okay. Cool. Part. Okay. So that one, um, that's a really popular one, and it's very, and it's also very very powerful. You just don't really that one you tend to find more in a capsule form. You're not going to find that in a um, in a powdered form where you can use it as food. And I always tell people before you're taking any supplements, you always want to check with your doctor. You never want to just you know jump in and take anything because mm-hmm. supplements, even food, can interfere with prescription medication that you might be on. So you want to make sure that you're not that that you're not taking anything that might prohibit other things that that you might right. be taking. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, that's fantastic. Ashwagandha and maca. And, and are maca. there any um, foods like in our cabinet that might actually be in our cabinet that we shouldn't be eating uh, during uh, specifically stressed out times? So there, yes. <laughs> and that's a harder question to answer. Um, mm. There are absolutely foods out there that are going to have a negative effect on the body. And what you really want to do with this um, when, you're, when you're looking at this is you're looking for foods that you might be sensitive to. Um, mm-hmm. When we have foods that we introduce into the system that we are sensitive to, they actually irritate the system and they cause a tremendous amount of inflammation, which in turn puts a lot of stress on the body. So we're not talking allergies here but more food Mm -hmm. sensitivities. And these are two very different things. So when you have an allergy Uh that actually triggers the immune system, a Mm -hmm. sensitivity triggers a response in the digestive system. So the symptoms that you would look for are foods that cause things like gas, bloating, indigestion, constipation, or diarrhea. Um, They're much more subtle symptoms. With allergies, you're looking at hives, difficulty breathing, itching, swelling. It's things that we know aren't right. So we identify with them right away, but there are so many people out there that have been living their whole life with food sensitivities and they think it's just normal that after they eat, they feel these feelings of discomfort when really that's your body trying to tell you something's not right here and it is causing Uh stress within the body. You know, that's interesting because our body does give us warning signals and we talk about this a lot on the wellness journey. Our body tells us a lot about what's going on with us. The problem is, is that we are just not processing it. We push it back. We ignore it. We rationalize it. Sometimes we even lie to ourselves that it's even happening. So it's very important uh, if you're trying to figure out what you should be eating or shouldn't be eating uh, to listen to the body. Um, Are there there things that we would normally eat every day that kind of uh, impact um, the stress proponent in terms of having, uh, getting worse, making stress worse? Like, for instance, Let's talk about something that all my listeners know that I have every morning. It's my one bite I have left. <laughs> my coffee. What is the real deal about coffee? I hear good things oh. and bad things. So some of the Christmas, Lindsay, Cherry, what's the story with coffee and stress? 
So that's a good, good question. Um, I think coffee, if my husband were here too, he would have two cents to say about this. He always says, don't take my coffee away from me. You can take anything else, but not my coffee. <laughs> I like your husband already. Yes. <laughs> no. So um, I, I believe, I don't think that coffee is actually, there, there are a lot of healthy properties that coffee can bring to the body. The things that are going to turn coffee into something that might not be beneficial to the body is if you let it sit for a long time. So when we first brew coffee, if you can drink it closer to being brewed, uh, you're going to get something that's going to be more alkaline to the body. And when we look at research and science, there's one consistency that we see down the line with them, and that's that cancer and disease can only develop in an acidic state. And so a lot of the issues that people have with coffee is that it can be really acidic to the body, but that happens if you let it sit for a long time and you're somebody who goes back and repeats it and constantly has it. But if you're drinking it when it's brewed, you're going to get something that has more of an alkaline base to it. So I would say that's the first Hmm. thing you want to do. And then secondly, another tip that I give to my clients is I say, if you're open to it, uh, Put a, start off with maybe a teaspoon, but work your way up to about a tablespoon of coconut oil in your coffee every morning. And what that does is that actually, that, the healthy fat that you get from that coconut oil, that, that gives your body the, the energy that it needs, again, to convert into fuel. So with coffee, it's not actually, it doesn't actually give us energy itself. It stimulates the body, though. And so if you just drink coffee and you have no food, to, to back mm-hmm. it up or you're just having a muffin or something, you know, that's not really going to give you strong energy in the body. You're setting yourself up for a metabolic nightmare later on in the day. Okay. So by okay. adding that okay. tablespoon of coconut oil, your body then can use that for the energy basis. And it, it, it's, it doesn't throw off the taste. Um, mm-hmm. When I first had my husband do it, I know he was like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? But when he tried it, he said, you know, actually, it doesn't even change the flavor of it at all. Mm-hmm. And he was mm-hmm. noticing that he had much more energy, you know, in the morning when he was drinking it, which is what people usually are looking for when they have it. Wow, this is amazing information. <laughs> Another thing, my um, let's just know that I live in coconut oil. If I could find a way to put myself in the jar, I would. <laughs> I love coconut oil. But I've never heard about putting it in the coffee. This is interesting. You mentioned something about a metabolic nightmare uh, when we're drinking coffee and um, not eating anything at all. What does what does the uh, metabolism actually begin to slow down towards the afternoon? Because I know some people crash uh, after drinking yeah. coffee after certain, so it begins to slow down. So could you say that if you're going to be drinking coffee and you're not eating, that you could be adding to possible more weight gain over time as a result of drinking coffee without eating something? That's a good question. Um, you know, again, I think it, it depends on the person and it also mm-hmm. depends on the other circumstances that you have going on. Um, that weight gain is such a complicated topic, I think, for people. But, you know, I certainly wouldn't rule it out. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I say to people, even if breakfast isn't your thing in the morning, if you're not, um, if, if you're not, you know, overly hungry when you wake up, having even a small snack of, you know, a handful of cashews and half a banana or having a half of a, you know, good quality protein bar, just having a few bites of something is going to help you to just take that edge off. So again, you're not mm-hmm. getting that crash. And I'm more concerned with my clients. I always say a healthy weight is a byproduct of a healthy body. So when mm-hmm. I see weight gain, I want to see what's at the cause, what, you know, what's really at the root of it. And is there right. something else going on there? 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I I am not a big proponent of how big you are necessarily. It's not so much what you look like. It's what is your health like. That's what you have to take a look at. And I have some real issues around uh, the whole image thing that we have in this country. And that's a whole other topic that I'll have to invite you to come back on and talk about because I know you probably have something (laughs) to say about that too. But in terms of, I do know that there are certain kinds of movement and things that we can do to help minimize the impact of stress. Tell us a little bit about that. What kinds of exercises should we be doing? Or, as I like to say on the show, movement, because some people just kind of zone out whenever I say exercise or fitness. So what kind of movement can we do to help with the impact? Yeah, you might be surprised with my answer here. I actually tell people who are under a tremendous amount of stress that you want to watch the exercise because exercise, too, depending on what you're doing, if you're really getting active and you're sweating a lot and you're going into the gym and doing a really hardcore workout, that's going to put more stress on the body. And it can become just as addictive to people because when we work out, we release endorphins, we release dopamine. And so it can become a very addictive thing for somebody. And again, you're putting more stress on the body. So I usually tell my clients when I see this uh, pattern of chronic stress and there's just this, you know, overwhelming, this feeling of being overwhelmed consistently, movement is very important. And so I'll use the word movement rather than exercise, but it's just to create circulation in the body and to make sure that you're actually getting that oxygen and, you know, that you're creating that good blood flow because that's going to help you feel better it's going to give you more energy throughout the day so that you can do the things that you want to do and not feel so run down. So again, you know, getting outside, going for a walk, doing a yoga class, if you're open to that, just doing some easy stretching um, and Mm -hmm. feeling that that's enough, not feeling like you have to go and be sweating. That was something that I always struggled with as a dancer. I felt like if I wasn't totally sweating, it wasn't a workout, but there's so many other things that you can do to I get you, you know there. what the feeling. I get there. Yes. <laughs> no, it's not. If, if I'm not in pain, I have a. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm not in pain, if something's not bleeding around the foot area or something from That's back right. in the toe days. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. And and I I have a little trick that I've done for myself. I find it difficult for me to set aside a pure 30 minutes of exercise. And actually, I do have the time to do it. But that's part of my stress addiction. It's all about my perception. So what I do mm-hmm. instead is I break things down in increments. I do walk in the morning every morning and, and connect with nature. I happen to live in a beautiful area where there's lots of trees and it's, it's just beautiful in the mornings. I even have peacocks down the street and oh. some not too nice roosters down the street and things like that. So that's wonderful. But later on in the course of the day, um, I do stop and I jump in the pool. Water is so uh, invigorating and it yes. also has a calming effect, the buoyancy you know, a feeling that really is uh, refreshing. And then later on in the evening, not too close to bedtime, but at some point later on in the evening for about 10 minutes or so, I do yoga and stretches, kind of a combination of yoga, stretch, and Pilates because I'm trying to maintain, you know, that long mm-hmm. look, but I'm also trying to, you know, help get the blood flowing to the joints and all of that. And that seems to work for me. Um, you know, at the age of 58, I'm no longer trying to look like a size four or to be able to dance, you know, 10, 20 minutes at a time. But I do want to stay healthy. And I just had to find yeah. out a way that works for me to keep moving and not be so sedentary. Because what I do now, even though I'm talking about fitness all the time, I'm sitting behind a computer. And before you know it, uh, you know, hours have gone by and I haven't stood up in 
done some things. So that's how I've uh, broken up things so that I get that movement in. Um, let me ask you a question real quick about yoga. Um, I'm a yoga enthusiast, and I know you're certified in yoga. What is it about yoga and stress? Why does it seem to be so impactful when it comes to reducing our stress levels and, and that stressed out feeling? Oh, well, I think it's just, I think it comes down to that movement again. You know, it used to be 100 years ago, it was 80% of our jobs were active. You know, you didn't have to think about exercise. You didn't have to think about moving because you just woke up in the day and you were out on the farm, you were milling, you were mining, you were doing things that really had your body in motion. And now 90% of our jobs are sedentary. So just like you said, people go into work, we sit at our desks for, you know, eight, nine hours. If we're lucky, you know, it's, it's only eight, mm-hmm. nine hours. <clears throat> and that puts so much strain on our joints and on our body mm-hmm. because we're meant to be moving beings. So I tell people, if you want to be healthy in today's world, you have to act with intention. You have to be deliberate and you have to think about these things that we never had to a hundred years ago because it was a different world. You know, our food grew in our backyard now we get it from all over the world. So there's all sorts of different things that you have to really take into consideration. I think with yoga, that's really what it is. It's about getting deep into the muscles, into the joints, and opening them up and releasing that tension. And you can feel that way. You know, even when people just I'll tell my work clients, will say, even if you just tilt your head to the right or the left, you can feel mm. that, that tension release in your neck, and that helps to, you know, release or that helps to um, fight that TMJ. We get stressed and it just locks our jaw about ni- at night. So by doing that a couple times throughout the day, you're just releasing that tension and it just makes, gives you the ability to breathe deep again. So you know, it's, it, I love that idea of doing the simple things that might come naturally to you to help release the stress of movement. I, I know a group of people who go out every Tuesday evening uh, and they go out dancing. Just to yeah. relieve the stress and, you know, just to kind of uh, change the mode and, and feel of the day and of the week. And when they don't go out and dance, uh, because they can feel the difference. Now, here's the interesting thing about this group of folks. They're all in their late 70s and 80s. Oh, and I'm telling you, they get out there on that dance floor and you're like, wow, they have so much energy. I mean, they look forward to it every week. But it is a mainstay for them because it helps to relieve their tension, they say, and it helps yeah. them to feel more engaged socially and all the different things that we kind of take for granted that we really shouldn't. If yeah. you were to give, uh, Lindsay, if you were to give us maybe three things that we need to do, uh, kind of wrapping up here, uh, to help with the stress addiction, what would those three things be? Mm, three things. So, that's a good a good question and hard to narrow down. I think coming back to what I said before, so eliminate distraction. With us being so connected, one of the one of the habits that uh, we've gotten into in our house is both my husband and I work from home, so it can be hard to have that cutoff point. But mm. by seven o'clock, we say the phones go away and the computers get okay. shut down, and we don't we do not go back to them. So okay. I may at the end of the evening um, just. I'll just hit the screen to make sure that I haven't gotten a phone call from my family or something that's an emergency that I haven't been paying attention to because we, we put it out of sight, out of mind. And okay. there's, you know, there have been workshops that I've done where I've walked in and I've seen people with four phones <laughs> to one person mm-hmm. because each phone mm. has a different purpose. And you think about wow. anytime you hear that phone go off, you know, there's been studies on this too that show 
we don't get that feeling when you hear your phone ring or you hear it buzz, it instantly sends us into a state of worry and concern. We don't get this overwhelming feeling of excitement. Who is it that's calling us with good news, right? We're more thinking, <laughs> no. oh, what's going on here? So allowing yourself to disconnect from that and just giving yourself a break and really being able to just be present wherever you're at in the evening is going to be is going to be a big thing, I think, there. Um, you know, I also think setting realistic boundaries in this, there's a little bit of an overlap here, I think, with the eliminating distractions. When you're home, be home. When you're at work, be at work. We have this need now when we're at work to be connected to our family and to our friends, and so we're constantly checking up on things and feeling this need that we need to be in the know of what's going on outside of our work walls. And then when we get home, that's when we start checking our phones so much to make sure that we're not missing any emails that are coming in. And so I really tell people when you, you know, set your boundaries, be clear to it because people are going to listen to your actions more than they are your words. If you go home and you're not responding to email, they know people are going to get the picture. Okay. I need to contact her or him when they're working or when you're on vacation, right? So many times we go on vacation and we take everything with us and that sends a really unrealistic message because you're telling people then, that you're still working. So Mm -hmm. I think that is going to be another important thing to do. And then, you know, certainly coming down to the food topic, eating foods that are going to be really healthy to your body, eliminating the junk foods, the processed foods, the sugar. We didn't even talk about that, but that adds a lot of stress to the body, eating things like sugar and, you know, again, all of these chemicals, the body doesn't know how to break that down. So getting back to real food, I always say my saying is if your grandma knows, if, you're, if your grandma knows what that food is, you can eat it. If she doesn't, don't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> that's my rule of thumb. That's almost as good as if uh, you can't pronounce the food on the box there, you're in trouble yeah. you to eat it. Then again, I guess you could say if you're looking at food in the box, you probably should double check that out. <laughs> exactly. Lizzie, this has been some fantastic information, and I want to make sure that everybody knows that you are offering a free gift to all the listeners. And if you happen to be looking uh, on the show page or on your iPhone, the iPad, your computer, desktop, whatever, uh, or you can come back to the show if you're listening to this through your phone, click on the free gift, and it's a seven-day RHN Energy Boost Cleanse. Now, what is that? What is a seven-day RHN? Okay, so this is a cleanse that focuses definitely on real foods. Again, getting away from the processed junk, but also consuming them in a way that makes it very bioavailable to the body. So a lot of times, you know, it used to be you are what you eat, and now you hear people in the industry saying you are what you absorb. So when we eat healthy food, we may have the right intentions, but a lot of times it's actually hard for our body to process it and and break it down and absorb those nutrients so with this, we consume foods. We can, it, there's a um, raw portion to the cleanse, and there's also a juice portion to the cleanse. So you're building your body up to it. And it's really about detoxifying and getting rid of those foods that might be causing stress and inflammation and coming back to the real thing. And I tell people, too, you know, there's always, there's always considerations into customizing things. Everybody's different, as I said at the beginning mm-hmm. of the show. So Anyone can reach out to me for, I do free 15-minute consult if you have questions about how can I adapt this to where I'm at, what my goals are, what my current health is, my age, gender, all of that, and we can make some tweaks to make sure that it's ideal for you today. 
That's fantastic. And everyone, uh, if you're looking at the show page, you just click on the name of her company, Real Healing Nutrition, and that will take you directly to her website. Wonderful information, great information on her blog. And uh, Lindsay, thank you so much for being on uh, the Wellness Journey Live today. I have learned something that I am a stress addict, but I have hope that I can recover. <laughs> I do know I do know the things that I need to do. I, I but I'm glad now that I have a name to whatever this thing is that I do to myself that's not healthy. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm so glad that you're on the show today because I'm going to be making some changes as a result. Thank you so much oh, good. for being on the Thank wellness you. journey today. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome, guys. If you are just now tuning in to the program, you definitely need to come back and listen to the whole program. Uh, Lots of great information about the things that you need to do to fortify your body against stress, but also giving you kind of an idea of whether or not you truly are addicted to stress. And if you are, there's some uh, reasonable things that you can do to help yourself. And don't forget, there's a free gift um, that you can do right here on the show page, uh, the seven-day Real Healing Nutrition Energy Boost Clean that Lindsay Sherry is offering. And she's also can give you a 15-minute free consult. Just click on the Real Healing Nutrition link and go directly to her, and she can talk with you a little bit about maybe what your concerns are and the things you need to be doing. Uh, I'm so glad that you decided to tune in to this show. And I just wanted to let you know, the next few shows are going to be so awesome. So make sure you tune in every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, and we're going to be talking about some great stuff. Like next week, we're going to be talking about Bliss Over 40, the things that we need to be doing uh, to be more blissful over 40, to have more joy in our lives. And the week after that, we're going to be talking about food and productivity, which I thought was really interesting. In other words, what kind of foods should we be eating in order to be more productive in our lives, in order to actually show up in our lives? And I'm very excited that in the first show of September, we'll have with us Dr. Terry Walls, who basically uh, cured herself or delivered herself from MS as a result of changing her diet. She wrote a book about it, and now that book is in medical schools and libraries all over the world, and it gives you some very concrete methods of things that you need to do if you've been diagnosed with MS to minimize the symptoms, or in her case, to go from being in a wheelchair to riding a bicycle with her family. An amazing story. So make sure you're tuning into the wellness journey Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, we have some fantastic guests. Please visit me on my website. That's praiseworks.biz. There you'll find my magazine, Wellness Woman 40 and Beyond, and all kinds of great information about how you can stay well in your mind, body, and spirit. This is Lennis from PraiseWorks, and you have been on the wellness journey. We'll see you again next time. Thank you for joining us on the Wellness Journey Live with Lennis Woods Mullins. We hope you have enjoyed our show and look forward to the opportunity to share with you more information that will help you along your journey to total wellness for the mind, body, and spirit.